When we're going through it, hope can be so hard to find. But yet, that's exactly what we're talking about today. My guest, Alex Goodwin, is going to give us a new way to approach the Bible that will not only change the way that you experience the Word, but will give you a new outlook on the possibilities that still remain for your life. Join me today on The Truth and Our Trauma. Christian Counseling on the go? Sign me up. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available to you wherever you are and on your schedule. And we've partnered with them to bring you 10% off of your first month. To sign up and get started, go to getfaithful.com forward slash valor. So today we're talking about hope and reading your Bible. (laughs) You may be wondering, Michelle, what is the connection between these two things? And when you think about it, our lives are full of lies. When you think about the messages that get tossed at us by the world or the places where we've experienced harm that now we believe all of these distorted things about ourselves and God and other people, and just, you know, the devil coming after us constantly trying to accuse us and distort things, lies are everywhere. And we know that the Bible contains the word of truth. It's the place where we have the ability to run to when we need truth to saturate our minds. But the way that we read it sometimes is a barrier to us actually being able to access the hope that that truth can bring to us. Today, I'm talking with Alex Goodwin, and I am so, so, so excited about this conversation because this is not another chat about having a perfect Bible study routine. Now, there's nothing wrong if you love the coordinated highlighters and the tabs and all the things. I love all those things. But as you'll hear in this conversation with Alex, there are different ways that we can look at Scripture, different ways that we can experience Scripture to get to know the God of hope that we are loved by and then start to imagine more possibility for our own lives. Alex, it's so good to have you with me. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun. Alex, I'm thrilled to get to talk to you today because your book is about reading the Bible, but that's not where it stops. There is so much meat in this book that really applies to how scripture can help us navigate some really difficult seasons of our lives and and really encounter God. And what I want to start with is the fact that a lot of us are in this space, and this is where I was growing up, thinking that the Bible is just something that's really hard to understand. It's a book of a lot of rules or these, you know, stories that don't make a lot of sense because we're not in this context. And yet in going through a season of brokenness, this is where I really started to encounter God within the pages of scripture. So I wanted to know if you would start us off there in talking about what the Bible uniquely offers to those of us who are in these broken situations? Yeah, that's that's a great place to start. And I would say my background growing up was similar to yours, where I knew a lot of the rules and a lot of the propositions and a lot of the stories that kind of had a neat, tidy, moral lesson at the end. But I didn't really venture into the parts of the Bible that were uncomfortable and angry and yelling at God and crying out. Like there's huge sections of scripture that are just raw and honest about kind of the harshness, I would say, of real life. And I think we've gotten away from that a little bit, especially in kind of modern evangelical Christian culture. It's all about 
sort of praise and positivity, um, which of course are warranted, like the gospel is good news and we always need to uh, have that. But I think it's been to our detriment that we've sort of papered over the practices of lamenting and yelling and crying out to God because those are those are real parts of life too. And so I think both of those things can be true, right? The ultimate trajectory of the story is towards hope. And also we can lament and cry out to God and yell at him and express our real emotions when things feel so distant from that ultimate hope. So I think there's actually a great example of this in the book of Lamentations, which of course, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon series on the book of Lamentations, right? Because it's uncomfortable. It's raw. It's honest. It's hard. Um, but what's the one verse that everybody knows from Lamentations? It's the one positive verse, right? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Like that's the one verse everybody knows from that book, right? Because sometimes it's just hard to venture into that territory. Um, so they go out and take out kind of the one positive part of that book, which is fine because that's, you know, that's truth. That's, um, you know, something to hang on to during difficult times. But I recently learned about the book of Lamentations and how it's actually five songs of lament um, or five poems of lament. And that one positive part is in the very center. It's in the middle of the third song. And I think that was done intentionally, right, from a structural standpoint to say, listen, 99% of your interaction with God in some of these seasons can be crying out, can be weeping in the ashes, can be dealing with the hard stuff, but maybe just keep that glimmer of hope right in the middle. I love that you pointed to the fact that this is something that points to the validity of the difficulty of our real life experiences. Because as you said, there is this emphasis, I think, especially on what gets taught in church about right living, praising God, those sorts of things that we know we should do and, and those types of things. And yet there are all of these real life experiences that we are having that don't we don't really know what scripture says. And yet it's in there. You know, these mm -hmm. stories that these stories that we're living out, these hard things that we are experiencing, they're not foreign to God. They're certainly not foreign to the canon of scripture. And, and so in that deep dive, as you said, it's being able to hold those two things that yes, we can praise God in these hard times. And we can also ask him the hard questions. We can also boldly come before him and say, what is the deal? You know, right. Right. and I think too, this breaks through even in the world where there's this positivity messaging, you know, and it's mm -hmm. just that it, it just discards the fact that not every aspect of our lives is something that we're going to feel super excited about or that we're going to be able to just like positive think our way out of these things. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think uh, the Bible does a good job, like I said, at the beginning of just being real. You know, I think uh, there's there's a lot in there, especially in the Psalms, of course, of people just being real with God. You know, a lot of the Bible's story is written from the perspective of the underdog of the people who are being oppressed, who are being mistreated. Um, and I think we need to pay more attention to that than, than we often do. One of the things you mentioned in your book too, that I thought was fascinating is you talk about the fact that scripture is also actually inviting us into this strange new world, I think is what you call it in the book, but this 
this other supernatural reality of the world that God is bringing forth that you're talking about as far as, you know, God being for the underdog and bringing this other reality into this this present world, but in, into these difficult circumstances. We talk mm-hmm. about, you know, that strange new world and what what that is. Yes. So I, I kind of borrowed or or stole that from the uh, the theologian Karl Barth. And it was from a, a sermon that he gave during World War One, actually, at a town in Switzerland that wasn't far from the French and German borders. So Switzerland, of course, was neutral, but they were like kind of right next to the action of World War One. And here they are; they're kind of looking across the border, seeing seeing the carnage, seeing the just kind of devastation that humanity hadn't hadn't really seen at that level before. And they're kind of con- just consumed with the war at that point. Like, what is going on in the world? And then Bart kind of interjects with this question, like, okay, well, what does the Bible say about the world that we live in? Like, you're waiting for, new- for news from the front lines every day, but but what does the Bible have to say? And so his main point was that the Bible kind of invites us into this strange new world of God, where, you know, the Bible takes place during real history, but it's not kind of confined to what we would call the conventions of normal history, right? Because God is living and God is active within that history. New things can break into it. And we see that all throughout the story of scripture. And so basically what I took away from it was we need to be kind of ready for this huge array of possibilities to pop up in our lives because, um, you know, the world isn't just kind of, flat and bland and what we would consider mundane and normal, but it's kind of this enchanted world, right? Where God can break in and he can do new things and he can plant seeds for something. So, you know, as far as our Bible reading goes, I think we can sort of open up our imaginations maybe a little bit more than we're used to with the Bible, bring some of the energy that we might bring with Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia or some of those stories where the world is a little bit more enchanted and bring that kind of to our Bible reading. Um, and then also, I think rather than just kind of coming to the Bible with our own agendas all the time of saying, I need to take this away from my reading today, I need to take that away, kind of submitting ourselves to the Bible's agenda also and just say, I'm just going to come and see what God is doing in the, in the story of the world because it's, it's not what you read about in the news. Okay, this one is for all my overthinkers out there. I used to be absolutely debilitated by intrusive thoughts. Everything from constant worry to just dread of the future, I couldn't make it stop. If you're there right now, I have developed a free downloadable guide to help you get your mind back. It's called Overthinking, Get Out of Your Head and On With Your Life. And you can download it for free right now at uncommonvalor.co. I want to go back to what you said about reading the Bible with a little bit of imagination, because I think this is something that is really missing from our understanding. And I think it's something that we see in things like, for example, the chosen, where the chosen is starting to put human figures with personalities and flaws together in these stories to help us understand that this person might have acted this way. Or when Jesus said Mm. this, it may have been with this tone of voice. And I find that that is so compelling 
for us to have the ability because it helps us to place ourselves into a time and a place that the Bible, no, was not written for us and our, mm. in our present time, but it is for us. Absolutely. Yes. I've, I've watched some of the cho- chosen as well. And it, and it just makes everything kind of into 3d a little bit. Like these are real people. There was some humor, there was some sarcasm, there was some awkwardness, like it, just bringing some of that imagination to when you read the scriptures uh, can just make it such a more, I don't know, interesting experience, such a more transformative experience, just really not just saying, okay, I need to take away knowledge and information from this experience, but really how can I kind of sit in whatever I'm reading and really try to imagine what that scene was like or what that person must have been feeling at that time. I think it can just really enrich the experience. Why do you think that imagination then helps us to take these stories from off of the page and then actually pull them into our real lives and start to live in some of that possibility that you're talking about as God's, you know, new world is breaking forth? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think especially in the in the gospels and the Jesus narratives, you see people kind of kind of going about their everyday lives and then Jesus breaks in and kind of disrupts everything, right? There's a woman just going to gather water at the well like usual, and here comes Jesus and everything changes, right? And I think we can kind of take that stance into our normal everyday mundane lives as well and just be on the lookout for where we can, you know, talk to somebody in the grocery store line or, uh, you know, reach out to somebody, I don't know, whatever, in the carpool line, kick it, picking up our kids from school. Um, just seeing seeing the world is full of possibility for the gospel to break in and and do something that people aren't used to. And maybe maybe you're that conduit for enchantment at some times. I think what you're pointing to, what the word that comes up for me as you're talking is wonder. You know, that as you said, a lot of times we're reading the Bible and it is for facts and information and knowledge and wisdom, and it is for those things. Mm -hmm. But when we look at it with wonder and possibility and we start to see, well, if God did that for them or if Jesus did that for them, could he do it for me? Could Mm -hmm. is he still doing these kinds of things? And then we start to look for it in our everyday lives. And that is where so much hope can be found in situations that are really hard because it's looking for that evidence. You know, if we're looking for the evidence of the hard and the bad, like we don't have to look, it's there, right? And Absolutely. in in approaching scripture with wonder, then it's like you're saying, you don't know what kind of conversation you're going to have with this person, or you might even feel like God prompting you like, hey, go talk to them. And they may have a word for you that is just like exactly what you needed to hear that day. And so it's knowing you know, hope is sometimes such a hard word for us to grab onto when things are really hard, mm-hmm. but we can approach it. If we can just even start with wonder, possibility, yeah. what you're talking about, I think mm-hmm. that that can take us a really long way. Yes, absolutely. There's, there's so much more going on. And this is, I think what Bart was getting at in the middle of world war one was there's so much more going on than just what our eyes see and what our ears hear. And we just need to try to be tuned into that and, you know, I'm sure that that's that involves a lot of prayer and a lot of just sort of communing with God during our everyday tasks. And uh, it can open up all sorts of different possibilities. And I think one of the things about reading scripture that helps us to do that is we start to recognize God's voice. You know, so many of us may have those experiences where things have happened in the past that would cause us to think perhaps God is displeased or he's distant or he's not 
around. He's not speaking. And yet scripture teaches us this is how he speaks to us. This is what his voice sounds like. Jesus was so compassionate and so kind. And so if I'm not hearing something that that aligns with that, then I really need to question where the source of that is. But then as we start to to be trained into the sensitivity of that, then we do start to have the look at, wow, is God sending me out to do something? You know, and not just maybe today, but for my life. And in the book, you talk about this concept of creative faithfulness and how the Bible can help us to creatively live out the ambiguity of our lives, that we can look at these stories and yet they can help us with the story of our own lives. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by creative faithfulness and how that helps us to approach things like purpose? Yes, this was a huge concept for me to learn. And I'm still kind of trying to suss out what it means for myself. Um, But basically, it's this concept that, listen, the Bible is full of rules, sort of uh, truth, different ways of living, wisdom, those sorts of things. Um, But it all kind of comes together into a grand story, right? And that was a big kind of aha moment for me was that it's not just this assortment of things that you need to sort of pick out and, and memorize and apply, but it's this grand narrative that tells us the story so far up to a certain point, and then it it previews the ending as well. But we're kind of in this, this ambiguous middle a little bit where, where we wake up and we don't necessarily have a script for the day. We have some, um, some wisdom and some truth to live by, of course, but we don't open the Bible and say, okay, here are my lines that I need to say to my boss during this difficult conversation. Or here's how I handle my kids' issues at school, uh, whatever. Um, and so there's kind of this element of improvisation at play here where we need to faithfully improvise the story in our time and place today. And that's where this creative faithfulness idea comes in, where God is kind of inviting us to be creative, to create alongside him. And the author, Andy Crouch, has this great book called Culture Making where he says, uh, you know, God gives us eggs, but we're the ones that make omelets. And, you know, God gives us raw materials. God gives us wood. God God gives us steel. And we can take that steel and we can either make medical equipment and things that heal and redeem and restore, or we can make bombs and we can make bullets and we can make things that that destroy. Like, it's up to us. We, we get to take the things that God gives us and kind of co-create either for good or for ill. And so I think we have that freedom to be, to be creative and bring that gospel into our lives in creative ways through the passions and the talents that God has given us, whether that's parenting, whether that's cooking, whether that's hosting people at your home, whatever, um, and just kind of take that into our lives and, and improvise that way. And then it's also balancing it with this faithfulness element of not just saying, hey, I've got... I've got license to be creative. I can kind of just go off and do whatever I feel is best. Now it's always returning to that story where, where Jesus is kind of the main character and the hero and being faithful at, to that story while you're also creative. I think this is such a great concept because when we're navigating difficult things in our lives, we're, we're always trying to figure out who we are. You know, what did you put in me? Why did you put this in me? What am I here for? What do you want me to do? You know, we have these questions that we're confronting always. And it's not, as you said, it's not always like I didn't wake up with a script to know what to do with all of these things, even in my life. Right. But 
it, it helps to make sense of those places where it is not so clear cut, for example, where, um, okay, I'm going to be a pastor and I'm going to apply the Bible in this way, or I'm going to be in ministry. You know, it's recognizing yeah. that there is that creative application in being a baker or being a school teacher yeah. or being a, a bus driver, like whatever you do, you can do it unto the glory of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, this was another book that I read in the process of writing my book. Uh, it was a book called Art and Faith by Makoto Fujimura, who's a well-known Christian artist. And uh, he just does such a great job of kind of painting this picture of just like the artfulness that we can have in Christian living. Like it doesn't have to be this mechanical, robotic spirituality where we memorize a whole bunch of rules and then do our best to apply them. Like we can we can bring truth and goodness and beauty into everyday life and kind of approach it as an art form, I think. I think this brings great meaning into our lives too. And I think, like you're saying, you know, so much of Christian life is often lived out in the left brain is kind of the way mm. I think about it, where it's very logical and it's, you know, you do this and you don't do this and all that kind of stuff. And there is such a gray of our lives and there's such a movement that the Lord wants to uniquely perform through our own lives and our own stories. And it's, it's not, it's not in the Bible. Right. And yeah. so it's, it's encountering God off of the page and in ways that are, whimsical like you're using words like enchantment they're whimsy you know all of those types of things where it it does produce just this awe of who god is as he's continuing to move through our lives and the bible roots us as you're saying that you know there's a faithfulness to that though that he's not going to do something that's not in alignment with his character as it's already been demonstrated in scripture but as we tether ourselves to the word then we can see more readily how he is moving in our lives in these same ways and mm -hmm. where where that is so bolstering in times of life that are extremely disorienting mm -hmm. absolutely yeah you can see you know you obviously you can see god's creativity all throughout the story where he takes um you know terrible things done by humans and he weaves them into something redemptive right mm -hmm. and and he invites us in our own sort of imperfect fumbling ways in our own lives to, to try to do that as well. I love that you said that as far as, you know, that we're imperfect and and this is a creative sort of an approach. I am a more of a creative type of person. So this fully resonates with me, but I'm also a, a recovering like performer, <laughs> you know, where yeah. it's like, let me do these things for God. Let me do this for him and he'll be pleased with me. And it's like, no, no, no. He so delights to co-create that, that word just jumped out at me mm. that this is, this is joint. This is an invitation. This is him working through us because it delights him to do that and to have us be a part of that experience, that this is not something done for him, apart from him, but done with him. Absolutely. And, you know, there's kind of a line of, of theological thinking that says uh, these things that we do in our lives today will somehow get incorporated into kind of the new creation future. And we have no idea how that might happen, but it's kind of God saying, listen, what you did during that time wasn't just kind of for fun, um, but it, it has everlasting worth and value. And I'm going to figure out a way to sort of incorporate it into my new creation, which is just such a cool thing to think of. Like, obviously, we're not here sort of building out the future 
um, because only God can do that. But we have we have something to con- contribute to it too because we have agency, I guess I would say, that God has given us, and it just like you said, kind of enchants life a little bit and makes it just full of hope and possibility and and opportunity. Alex, for somebody who's listening and is like, how do I read the Bible like this? Like, how do I get here (laughs) to to this place that you guys are talking about? How do I even start? Can you help us to understand maybe what some of the, the roadblocks are in the way we've been maybe taught to read scripture or why we're not able to grab these aspects out of reading scripture and maybe where's a great place to start? Sure. So I would say, you know, one of the most pervasive issues is that we read the Bible in tiny little fragments. Um, you know, I think the the format of our modern Bibles contributes to that a lot. Um, I, I'll never forget, my mind was just blown when I kind of, for the first time, thought about where chapters, chapters and verses might have come from. And I realized, you know, I learned that they were only about 500 years old. They were put into the Bible as kind of help helping markers for reference tools like commentaries and concordances and then they just sort of got standardized into the bible and then all sorts of other stuff got piled on top of those over time section headings and footnotes and cross references and uh you know call out boxes all these different things all of which are done with the best of intentions to to help us get through certain things out of the bible but as far as actually just sitting down and reading and soaking in the text like they're not very helpful for doing that. They turn the Bible into something that looks and feels more like a dictionary or a textbook than a library of poetry and stories and songs and letters. And so there's this kind of newish, I would say, genre of Bibles out there called reader's Bibles that get rid of all that stuff and just lay out the literature um, in its more natural format so that you can just sort of sit by the fire, you know, curl up on the on the couch, and just read and just kind of start absorbing the stories and the poetry without having your eyes darting all around the page to look at the footnotes or see what cross references there are those sorts of things so i would say that's a that's a pretty big one and then the second thing that i found to be really helpful is reading in community and that's something that we've lost a little bit i would say um as we've each gotten our own bibles we've each got tons of devotional materials, we can kind of just kind of hunker down in our quiet times and personal devotions, which, you know, I, I personally do do that. That's totally a fine practice, but we, we miss something when that's all we ever do. And so I think reading in community where we treat the Bible like a book that we'd use for a book club, where we just gather to talk about what we've read without any like agenda, I would say, just talk around questions like, hey, what did you notice for the first time? What was confusing? Where did you see God in these these texts? That sort of thing um, just opens up such a wider array of takeaways from the text and people pulling different things and sharing the wisdom that they have. And it's just such a better way, I think, to um, commune around the text. It's, it's sort of like eating a meal. You can eat a meal by yourself and that's fine and you get nutrition from it, but I think we all enjoy sitting around a table and eating a meal together uh, much more than that. What's interesting is I don't know a whole lot about Hebrew culture, especially not biblical. I, I know little bits, though, but that that is so often the language that's used around 
consuming the word mm. that it is something that is eaten it is ingested it is is taken in yeah. and it moves it then from this academic experience the, the to something that is far more fully engaging it's it's bringing in the emotions too it's bringing in all of the the things that we're confronting in our real lives and 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 putting those out on the table too and i think that in understanding this is not an either or sort of thing. It's a both and sort of a thing. It's mm-hmm. it's the thing that really just allows us to pull all of those pieces together to have a just more complete experience with God. Absolutely. Totally agree. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for your insight. I really appreciate having the chance to sit down with you today. Would you tell listeners about the book and sure. where they can find you? Yes. Uh, so the book is called The Bible Reset. It comes out uh, on October 17th. I'm not sure when this when this podcast is set to air, uh, but they can learn more about it at thebiblereset.com, uh, where there's also, you can read chapter one for free to kind of get a, a sense of it. Um, and then it's available wherever books are sold. Amazon, uh, it's being published by Nav Press. You can find it on their their website. I'm sure if you just Google The Bible Reset, it'll it'll come right up. Highly recommend. Also, I have to get my hands on one of these readers' Bibles. <laughs> I yes. really am excited about that. Yes, we we also created one um, at the Institute for Bible Reading called Immerse the Reading Bible. And you can learn more about that at immersebible.com. Great. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. I hope you'll come back again. And in the meantime, you can follow me over on social media and find out about our resources and services over at uncommonvalor.co.